Enough of this shit. Kill them both, Leroy. A woman calling the shots. I like it. If you ask me, there should be a few more of us in the world. But right here, right now, I'm queen bitch. Put that gun down before someone gets a dick shot off, Leroy. <laughs> Welcome back to Queer Horror Call. Thank you so much for joining us again. Same hosts as last time, Aria and Lori. Yeah, hi. Welcome to the third episode where I guess we'll be rocking the trifecta today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'll be that'll be good. So, uh, how you doing? Ah, uh, like, kind of tired because it started snowing and there's, like, no sunlight anymore. And so it's kind of hard to feel awake, but... Yeah, give it time. Give yeah. it time. How are you? Uh, good, good. I am... Looking forward to at the uh, as winter goes on that I'm going to let my inner trash fire help keep me warm mm. throughout the season. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to approach it. So before we get into that, maybe let's talk about uh, the recommendations we left off on. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, uh, we have two movies, uh, two episodes worth yes. to get through. So yes, we do. Which one are we going to start with? Well, the first one we watched was Evil Dead. Oh yes, classic. the classic, classic yes. Evil Dead. So the, this first recommendation was the what sort of sparked your love for horror, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Rewatch. I think it was what my third time seeing it. Maybe? Oh, okay, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I, I know, I know. I didn't, I hadn't seen it until we met, <laughs> but uh, I, I could, I can see why it was your choice. I think it's, it is good fun, and it, it's really sort of that, like perfect melding of like horror and splatter and like comedy and just like a good time it's like 99.5 percent a good time and 0.5 percent a moment that's just like definitely (laughs) yeah fun fun story about that um i kept trying to rent that movie because i'd seen evil dead 2 and then army of darkness and i'm like well i have to see the first one even though people are like no that one's just more of a straight horror movie and because that would be such a bad thing right like that's a big part of what i love about it but was so obsessed with seeing it because everyone was just like, no, it's quite different. It's blah, blah, blah. So it became and, like mystical and like, I have yeah. to see it. And then of course it didn't help that it was slapped with the big old X rating back in the day. And oh, so okay. it, uh, they wouldn't rent it to me at the video <laughs> store. So eventually my mom had to rent it for me. And <laughs> since she likes horror, that resulted in watching it with my some, mom. Some sweet, wholesome family. Yeah. Time. Yeah. And, you know, it's very splattery. It's over the top. Like, I don't know what her history with horror has been, but at least together, that was easily the most violent and gory and gruesome movie we'd ever watched together up to that point. Uh, but How there, you? Oh, God. Uh, 12? Oh, Jesus. Maybe okay. 13. I was expecting, like, you know, 14 or something. I don't know. It's not that that's say, really that much of a difference. I don't really remember so much. Maybe I was 13, up to 14. I don't know. Still. But, you know, it was, like, beginning of my teens. It was, uh, there's one scene in particular of infamy that is very unpleasant to sit through. I will just say now that watching someone getting assaulted by a tree is yeah. way worse when you're sitting next to your mom. Who you convinced to rent the movie yes. for you on your behalf because Absolutely. it's been rated to 
bad for I'm your like, eyes. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> so it definitely was one of those, like, I have never tried to pretend my periphery vision does not exist and just <laughs> zone in on the TV harder than that one where it's just like, oh, I'm, I'm just, just bug out. It's just like, I'm alone, I'm alone, I'm alone. No one, nothing weird Too is happening. Job. We're just going to get, we're just going to power get through right it. Get through this and never speak of it again. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah I, that would be I, mortifying. I feel like so many of the really fucked up scenes in movies, I have a story about watching with one of my parents awkwardly. I've definitely heard some of them. <laughs> So yeah. I'm sure we'll visit them oh, all at some point. Oh, lordy. Oh, how will we ever? But so you enjoyed it. Would you uh, think it was good? Like, you're glad you watched it again? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, it was good uh, leading up to Halloween. Definitely. Too. Um, I, I love Evil Dead, the, everything that they've done with it since and stuff. So, I, yeah. yeah, I'm always happy to re- revisit that. Oh, it's it's fantastic. Definitely. Okay, well then, um, after that, we watched uh, your pick for that same topic, uh, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Yes, the uh, the movie that uh, came out at just the right time in my life that it scared the pants off my Catholic schoolgirl self. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it's one of those things that knowing you as well as I do, I totally see why you responded so well to it because you know it's got demonic possession it's got yeah. this strong catholic undercurrent going <laughs> which yes, you I, know it's like given the um the so me <laughs> the uh devout catholic well <laughs> growing up under the guise of you should be a devout catholic I with suppose. going to catholic school and all mm-hmm. that stuff um but then the uh, courtroom drama side of it uh it's interesting because it was almost set up in this really dry way without being dry i didn't think it was dry yeah. at all it's just on paper, it's one of those things that I could see people being turned off. Like, right. it's mostly people in a courtroom and all that stuff. But the way they mixed in the flashbacks and set up mm-hmm. the plot. I mean, the courtroom stuff was great. I thought it was really interesting to watch. But it was uh, it was really interesting that they did it as well as they did. Definitely. Given where it could have gone wrong. Yeah, and, so. and now that, you know, it's however many times I've seen it now and sort of that I'm older. I, I don't know if I appreciated how much it appealed to me before that because it is basically like a really good episode of Law and Order, but about a young woman who plausibly died from an exorcism in demonic possession. Yeah, yeah. And of it's course, just like, of course, that's extremely love the, my shit. Based on a true story thing at the start, where oh, they, yeah. they definitely played up that angle more than they probably actually pulled from. Yeah, and then you go and you like read the Wikipedia article on the real case, and you're like, Oh, yeah, they were totally negligent. Yeah, It felt <laughs> that loosely connected. It, it is always very, very loosely uh, inspired. They well, take, it's kind of like, like um, Leatherface is Ed Gein, but right. so is Buffalo Bill, and so is Norman Bates. Of and course. it's like one of those things where it's like, those are all three very, very different, different killers pulled off the same dude. They're all just aspects of the same man, I guess. Mm, scintillating. Mm. Okay, so that was it for the first episode. And then yes. in the next episode... We did our recommendations based off of our discussion of the 2018 Halloween Mm -hmm. and to a lesser extent, the 1978 one, which, you know, fully informed that. But just listen to that episode if you want to hear more about why we chose it. Yeah, we we had a good time with that one. I'm proud of that one. Yeah. So my recommendation to you, absurd. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, that was that was something else. That was a treat. Um, <laughs> if I had, if I had gone in seeing it, I don't know if I would have made the connection. Like you said, the sort of like mm-hmm. Italian Halloween. I didn't pick up on that the first time, but seeing yeah. them so close together, kind of, you see the overlap. Definitely, of- Yeah. You see where they were, what kind of ideas, especially if, if you're, you know, one of those people that sort of like, uh, regards Halloween as sort of like the first slash, yeah. or at least, you know, the one that 
clearly like popularized the genre mm-hmm. and everything you can see like what they borrowed and right. sort of this idea of the like you know the person is a sort of manifestation of evil that will never die but but like you pointed out that was so great about it was that um unlike in any of the like you know classic slashers where the the slasher never can never be killed but they they don't really like address it they just kind of accept that as fact i will say this wasn't so much my observation as things i've heard observed oh, okay, but it was enough. me passing it on yes well yeah, yeah. You, i heard it from you yes. but in uh absurd they bend over backwards going out of their way trying to explain the like specific biological scientific anomalies of this like killer greeks body and regenerative capabilities that make him essentially immortal and invincible and by and the killer greek in your words you mean the john wick looking motherfucker yeah 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 that... or or the uh mandy-esque scruffy forest man <laughs> as you called him yes i did i think i did <laughs> and then the whole the whole um like football thing the american, the american football, football game that sequence oh where we see people standing around in what's clearly like yeah, a tuscan village yeah, they're supposed to be having like a football like i don't know if it's like sort of a super bowl-ish party what do they say the rams versus the steelers or something, something so they are like they're very much pulling american football they show footage of yeah it. and but then you hear the you hear the, the uh, announcer making calls like oh yeah the quarterback snuck past the, the quarterback th- sneak from halfway across the field and it's just like that that's that's not how that, that like, i don't i don't wow, i don't that, watch football like this is I, a riveting yeah it's, it's like football. what kind of football are they watching what kind of american football are they yeah. watching and, and then we may be wrong maybe there's quarterback sneaks every game maybe like, but i guess maybe maybe popular culture has just misled me in my perception of football yeah but, but anyway yeah standing the, around the tuscan the, villain eating plates of spaghetti yeah, just eating plates of spaghetti just like listening to the oh my god listening it was, to that song that lifted from pieces no it was like playing. this like weird italian like uncanny valley like it was it was like an italian attempt at a simulation that like that was just it was like oh if it was beautiful it was like if someone downloaded the sims in italy yes and then tried to make a football party in it but oh they could only cook spaghetti and dress in nice clothing wearing their like ladies wearing their heels indoors and all that yeah it was it it, it was fun as far as it being (laughs) one of the banned notorious video Mm. nasties what did you feel about that because i know a lot of those it even in the time it's a shocker they were ever banned because they're so tame and then other ones it's you know more product of their time and then of course you get the notorious ones that it's like i'm shocked it's not still banned right but where would you say this fit in there with uh, Uh, the content do you remember what year it came out 1981 like yeah okay i mean given yeah given that it would have been yeah earlier in that kind of um genre's introduction to the world or popularization and where it was mind you i guess it would have been banned in in britain specifically this was britain we're talking yeah. about yeah okay yeah because i say well if it's banned you know banned in catholic italy i could like see that being the case so i don't know about the, the british context at the time really um i i can see it i think there are a couple of kills that they really, they're pretty brutal on screen and they do that thing that the gory Italian cinematographers like to do where they just linger. Yeah, rather than just do like the quick flash to leave it an imprint of it in your mind that and you're stuck being like, what like did I see? Instead, it's just like we're going to zoom in and rack focus several times. Yeah, and just linger on this person getting like a drill put through their brain. Like I'm pretty sure the longest single piece of music in that movie is the one that the dude had to write for when her head's getting cooked in the oven. Right, just that's like yeah, a, that, that, was, that I was pretty... Feel like like, for how long it took 
you could have cooked someone's head faster than, than what we watched. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe maybe the stove, like the oven, wasn't super efficient. At, like, I mean, the door up. was hanging over. Yeah, o- uh, the pro- open, so. yeah, let, let a lot of heat escape, so it wasn't yeah. like like primo head cooking no 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 also I, I like that that when we both kind of commented like okay they they, they kind of have that misperception of you know what it means to stick, stick your head in the oven that we all have as kids where we're like man wouldn't that hurt it would be so <laughs> and then you have the priest man hunting the killer he just oh, yes, disappears the for a while Loomis. yeah and it's funny because he had such a he gave off such a priest yeah that's one of the things you pointed out too was it's so Italian in that the you know Dr. Loomis type character yeah the psychiatrist is a priest yeah yeah, that, that was that was funny. You enjoyed? Yeah. But on our topic today. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, our final recommendation, this was your recommendation to me, was It was American Mary, which I recommended specifically for the um kind of similar interesting treatment of trauma in the main mm-hmm. character. Yeah, this is one we have seen countless times. Oh, yeah. There are so many things we could talk about with it, so we think we're just going to leave it in terms of our main topic and today's come topic, back to is. it. Yeah. Yes, today's topic and come back to it in terms of that. Mm-hmm. And just what is today's topic? Today's topic is uh, one that's very near and dear to both our hearts. It has informed so much of how I write certain characters about the kind of movies that we would like to watch and make and the kind of people that deep down in our little twisted horror-loving hearts, we... we uh, I don't know if we want to be like them, but there's a part of us that does. I think we want, like, aspects of them. Yes. We want that confidence. Yes. And that... that, that uh, lack of giving a shit yeah, what other people admirable. think uh but we are of course talking about our favorite character type ever the dirtbag diva which i believe you coined if someone else did before we are completely unaware of it yeah who knows that's what just what i don't know i just know that's what you started calling some of them and we were like shit that, that's good so uh like i suppose we should start by defining what is the dirtbag diva yes well do you want to start since you uh, as far as i'm concerned coined that term i think you're giving me way too much credit but um <laughs> So we're all familiar with the male anti-hero oh, in gosh, a lot so of these, these movies. I, I don't really have to list examples and you know what I'm talking about, but just in case you don't, like, we've got our Patrick Batemans from American Psycho. We've got our Travis Bickles from Taxi Driver. These characters that they are the protagonist of the piece, but they're not virtuous, good. Their flaws seem to almost outweigh, in a lot yeah. of them definitely outweigh their uh, virtues. Uh, but you love them anyway. Um, to some extent, you're not. You're, yeah, I guess maybe you can't decide if you're cheering for them or not. But yeah, what part yeah. of you wants to? I feel like with some of them, it's definitely a lot grayer yeah. uh, than others. Yeah, there's a lot more uh, ambivalence there. Yeah, but the dirtbag diva is what I would call the true female version of this. Uh, it's also there's a lot of queer coding in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, the not male anti-hero like this is the other to that right um these are women that are total trash bags they're trashed all the way through unapologetically unapologetically and very importantly you don't love them in spite of their flaws you love them because of their flaws exactly this trash aspect is a huge part of what makes these characters fantastic and memorable Uh, and just like near and dear to our hearts absolutely so um 
Would you like to add to that definition yeah, I think, or talk um, about it a little? Well, with the examples, because you mentioned the with the antihero, I was also I also had in my mind kind of the like Tony Stark kind of character where it's like he's the protagonist, but he's unapologetically an asshole. I feel like if there is a like, spectrum of it, you yeah. have Tony Stark on one end and Patrick Bateman on totally. the other. Kind and of the dirtbag diva can kind of kind of vary yeah. in there because you know he's more obviously the the good guy than Patrick Bateman is, yeah. but at the same time he's. He's a fucking asshole and he knows it and he's he's self-interested and he's he's unapologetic about it, which you don't see very often in women. So And one thing that's great about the dirtbag diva is I feel like those aspects that you just described as far as being an asshole, being unapologetic and all that stuff, it almost works in terms of women's empowerment with these characters. Like it's what sets them apart yeah. from the others in the movie and it gives them strength almost over right. the people because they do not give a single fuck. Exactly. Yeah, they're not weighed down by this like need to be liked or all of these things that we are so used to associating with women, especially teenage girls. Mm-hmm. They they have self-confidence that um, is perhaps um, maybe not deserved, <laughs> like mm. uh, is maybe an, an overdeveloped sense of it. But it's just, you know, even though we just described like these terrible people, mm-hmm. there's something so refreshing about seeing it that it's like, I can't get enough. I feel like they're the kind of people that you love. They exist as fictional characters, yes. even if a real person like this would probably be near intolerable to spend any time with. Totally. But watching their exploits on film is the greatest. Yeah. It's so funny. Um, I guess I'll say I, I remember I wrote down a couple little notes here about the dirtbag diva when we were kind of planning. Yeah, let's um, hear them. Yeah, I just said a lot of them like they're greasy, they're sleazy, they're not afraid to get their hands dirty, unconcerned with being likable and don't hesitate to violate norms of conventional femininity. So oh, this idea yeah. that they need to be girls and women, you know, they should be selfless, they should be self-sacrificing, mm-hmm. they should be nurturing and like, no. Right. <laughs> they are completely unconcerned and they're more than happy to just say fuck you to all of that mm-hmm. and just do their own thing. Which, again, it wouldn't make them a very likable person, but there, there is something refreshing and kind of admirable about, like you said, that level of just not giving a fuck. Yeah. And like you said, they do exist on a spectrum. So I think there are maybe a lot more examples of the ones that just sort of are near the Tony Stark end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think the more extreme ones are, that's, to me, seems like a more recent development or at least proliferation in the uh, sort of niche it fills. Um, Did you have any more to add to the definition that you wanted to? Or should we go on to some examples? I think... um... Yeah, I think we could just go into examples. Okay, I think so we covered it pretty in well. your mind, who is the staple, the hegemonic, the ultimate, the one that made us coin this term? I think that would have to be Pauline from Excision. Pauline is a hero. Oh my for god, the ages. love Pauline, and which oh. is so interesting too because she's a teenage girl. She's not a she's not like an yeah. adult woman. Yep, high so, schooler. Yeah, she's in high school. So I think that's also interesting that she was like sort of the, the first one that we... I mean, I'm sure there's the other characters like that that we would maybe notice in films before that. But she was the first sure. one that like stood out to us. Yeah, this kind of hit us on that trend that we started seeing where a lot of the movies that came after our experience with that, mm-hmm. we started seeing these characters more and we started responding to movies that really sort of focused on that. Exactly. But yeah, let's maybe talk about Pauline a little bit. She's, Pauline. Oh, she's she a is, treasure. She's greasy. 
Yes. Yeah, she's very great. visually greasy yes. for a large amount Got of the lots film. Of, you know, zits, greasy hair. Hands off to the makeup artist. Oh, God, yeah. One. Like, Annalyn McCord is, like, unrecognizable almost. <laughs> but I remember watching and being like, Jesus, like, she looks familiar, but I can't place it. And then I, I looked up the actress after and I was like, no way. Yeah, what was she on? Um, you, I, I didn't actually watch it, but I remember seeing all the commercials when they did that Beverly Hills 90210 right. remake show thing. Which feels like the polar opposite. Totally. Of, yeah, no, she, I she haven't was watched like blonde. It, full disclosure, and, but that feels oh, I haven't like the either, polar from, opposite of what we're talking exactly, about. Exactly. Like from what I remember from the you know commercials, just like these blonde, preppy, socialite, like kind of like California girl, girl next door kind of character. And yeah, this is just so not that, that I, I remember I was just so impressed when I with her acting range when I realized that that was her. Yeah. But yeah, so let's see, in addition to being a greaseball visually, she's fucking weird. Yeah, she is weird. (laughs) She, She wants to be a surgeon. Um, she's obsessed but, with the body. Too, yeah. Like, yeah, I guess that's another really interesting thing. Is she's really obsessed with the body in the in in like the abject a- aspects of it. Yeah. The sort of stuff that we shy away from that reminds Just us that too much of our mortality. Moment when she pulls up the the used tampon like and just like <laughs> looks at it for a second hanging it by the string and then she leans it and gives it this sniff before sniff, yeah. throwing it out yeah like just the stuff that should make you know makes us want to gag and recoil she's she is just like attracted to she's fascinated by yeah it. yeah and you know the what else she's just having a casual conversation with a younger sister about you like yeah I, I when i lose my virginity i want to be on my period it's funny that there's those multiple examples yeah, of menstruation being true. added to her character being abject in these ways. Yeah, but she's just so unfazed by it. Yeah. Yeah, and then her like recurring um, sexy dreams about... Corpse fucking? Corpse fucking and killing and people bleeding out while they bang and stuff like that. Yeah, the, <laughs> a lot of blood yep, imagery yep. throughout the film. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, um, boy. Yeah, we know she, yeah, as we're describing this, it's like, woo. <laughs> So what would you say is your favorite Pauline moment? My favorite Pauline moment. I do like that locker room exchange with the bully girl whose boyfriend she fucked. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Where you you do see a little bit of that, um, her kind of like self-confidence being questioned, but nevertheless, she's able to put on a really brave face and just talk back and just even then just be so nasty, like making really grotesque comments about the girl's genitals. And then, you know, when, saying like okay can you make this quick i gotta go take a shit and like, so so i uh, only let the, the audience listen to it sure. we'll play it and okay. you can hear what we're talking about what's so funny do you purposely leave your house looking like a raging lesbian you do have the body of a 10 year old boy it's a highly unfortunate opinion especially considering your vagina looks like a diseased axe wound that's vile i actually get afraid I might get a yeast infection just being in the same room with that thing. Look, I spoke with Adam, and I got to hand it to you from the sounds of it. He's freakier than I imagined. So I dumped him. He's all yours. Forgive my vulgarity, but Adam licks pussy like a dog drinks water. I'm not interested. Suit yourself? You mind if I leave you with some advice? Make it quick. I got to take a shit. You're disgusting. How about you? What's your favorite Pauline oh, moment? Um, oh, I think the line that made me instantly fall out in love with her was the sequence where they're at the sex ed. And we got <laughs> a yeah. goobler talking to them. And yeah, he, he's a sex ed teacher. He's a sex ed teacher. <laughs> he's uh, 
saying that he's going to talk very frankly about STDs. And he, well, I'll let the exchange play, and you can hear it for yourself. Much has changed since I was an adolescent. The function of reproductive organs, however, has not. Before we get sidetracked looking at pictures of penises, I want to have a frank discussion on the issue of sexually transmitted diseases. Fact, one in two sexually active teenagers will contract an STD by the age of 25. What do you think about that? Yeah, Pauline? Can you contract an STD from having sex with a dead person? Any, any real questions in this audience? Yeah. Okay, so it's the blunt crassness, and in the scene, everyone in the class just looks at her horrified to the point where she like slowly puts her hand down like, what, what, why is... Why is everyone staring at me? Yeah. <laughs> what like, did she, I do? She takes it as an earnest question, even though no one else does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's like, oh, he's like, okay, gross. if anyone would like to ask, you know, a, a real, a real question. question, and she's just like, well, like, you can tell she's like, it was a real yeah. question. <laughs> so those are some great fucking moments, oh, for yeah, sure. that whole movie is a fucking treasure. Uh, what's uh, what's another dirtbag diva you want to bring up? Another dirtbag diva. Well, I think one of the, one of the big next ones. And funny enough, another Annalyn McCord role in movie would be in Sixty Eight Kill. Although oh. she's not, she's probably the the that's probably the most maybe um, that kind of like Patrick Bateman end yeah, of the spectrum. She is. She is something <laughs> else. In this one, she's an, she's an adult woman. She's a what is she a, a stripper, a sugar baby. Um, an abusive girlfriend. Very, very abusive. Yeah. And it plays into their vegematics where she's very rough with him and beats him, but in a way that is consensual at times, or it, it appears that way. Yeah. But then it just so easily dips into, like, she's being abusive. As, yeah, really, especially later in the movie where the, the relationship kind of yeah, crumbles. It's really hard gets, to, like... Yeah, <laughs> to... You don't... You're... You're not really rooting for her. No, she is... Except the, yeah. maybe against other bad guys but you're not but she, she's not she's not a good guy no oh <laughs> definitely Lord. not no um but yeah there's her there's um that movie is just chock it's a just, block like I, I feel like every woman in that movie is a fucking trash bag at some all the dudes are let's be everybody everyone in that movie. the movie is just trash central it and is. that is a part of what really it's just stuck it, out to me yeah it's it's so funny and just like i so, think the like, least outrageous. tragic character is chip and he, and it's he kind of, but that's just that he's naive and he's yeah. being used by everyone. And it's almost like his character arc is growing strength from embracing his inner trashiness. That's true, because he's got to do it to survive. Yeah. And like, Literally. <laughs> it's very, uh, wow. Yeah, that that's a... Highly recommended. Oh, um, God, yeah. Do you have a favorite moment from any of the particular characters in that one? Like, I mean, it, I guess any... The, yeah. The... Um, I have to say when Sheila Van's character is introduced at the uh, gas station, the gas station, and yeah. they have that exchange where they like you know call her emo or whatever and talk her, like make yeah. I make oh. references to her you know shot hop, they start calling her hot topic. They call her and hot shit. topic. What is that line that it's like it just trash off back and forth like Violet says something about her cutting herself to sleep. Yeah, and, and which is just awful. But and then... the thing is like I was I was in you know junior high during the the height of the emo phase and yeah. that's the kind of shit that people said to each other all the time. Mm -hmm. So I would just again it's horrible but for me that was just such a throw like I was laughing my ass off the first time I saw that because I was like holy shit I'm back in junior high school and this is you know trying to slight the emo kids yeah, kind of yeah, thing yeah. so that was definitely uh gave me give me some flashbacks don't even think about it skink no 
Now listen up, you little emo cunt. I heard what you were saying to my boyfriend. You have got some nerve. But this, this is my money. If you want my money, you're gonna take it from me, not him. You think it's gonna be easy to do that because you wear black makeup and cut yourself to sleep? You think you can take me because I'm a pretty girl? Well, go ahead, try it. I am begging you. Day that I've had, I am just looking for an excuse to put somebody in a coffin. Though, by the looks of it, you'd probably like that. So what's it gonna be, Hot Topic? 40 bucks worth of gas? Or 200 bucks worth of whoop-ass? Uh, for me, I absolutely loved how Liza is this Anna LeMacourt's character. character. Yeah. Early on when they undergo a uh, criminal plot, um, <laughs> just the entire way she tries to baby talk and like be nice and like reassure Chip, who's so all over the place and erratic mm. and freaked out, the constant flipping between that and her ruthlessness. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, that's no, a really interesting it is dynamic. something else. Yeah, she does that low-key psychopath thing very well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why did you fucking kill them? Why? Because he's a slimy piece of shit. And she married a slimy piece of shit. I don't know, fucking whatever. They're dead. What are you, what are you so upset about? I agreed to steal money, Liza, not fucking kill people with knives. Jesus, relax. Take a chill pill, okay? Yeah, we've never killed anyone before. Because I never have! Well, you'll get used to it. Trust me. Okay, I'd like to get to a very personal favorite of mine that I know you loved. It was one of those movies that right from the trailer I knew I needed to see this and I forced it on people already like, you are watching this movie. Uh, This is, of course, Anti-Birth. Yes. Another recent one. Like, a lot of these movies are really recent. Yeah, no, like, I'll Excision is the oldest one we've talked about so far. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're all within the last Other like, than five American years. Mary, eh? It's like Excision and American Mary are about the same time. But... Yeah, they are. So that's what we mean by there's this proliferation, this modern one. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yes, anti birth. We have uh, Natasha Leon and Chloe Savigny. Yes, um, this is like peak trashiness. It's, yeah, I they are like the it. definition of like low life burnout. Okay, so Natasha plays Lou, and we've got Chloe as Sadie. Yes. And they live in this weird-ass trailer watching fucked-up television, and I'm pretty sure the one prop Lou has most consistently throughout the movie is the bong she's constantly ripping off of. Yep. Like, they go to convenience stores, and she does whippets in the aisle and stuff like that. Like, they're constantly getting wasted, and all of this is with Lou and her immaculate conception. Yes. And she just jokes about how it's going to give the baby superpowers as she's... As <laughs> she's, like, cooking it with... Which is, is so yeah. terrible. Like that point but where it's just she like... presses... Uh, her, like, she says that superpowers thing as she presses her, her, her body up against the television <laughs> to get, like... Radioactive. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's just, I think... Because, yeah, you're watching it and you're just scandalized that, like, is this happening? Like... Uh-huh. This is terrible, but again, it's, nobody's really done it, so it's refreshing and in a really fucked that's up way. Great, is you are on her side yeah. the entire time too. Like she does these trashy things, but if anything, she's the one who's been slighted. She's trying to figure out what the fuck is going on yeah, like, and sort her, her life out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And you're along for the ride of that. She is 100% the protagonist in this movie, Definitely. even if she is very trashy. For example, 68 Kill, it's hard to say that any of them you actually want to really get away with what they're doing. They're all mm-hmm. really gross. Yeah. So do you have any particular favorite Lou moments? Oh, it's been... It's been, it's a, been minute. a minute. Um... I know for me, one little thing that happens a few times in there that I love is any time she takes a huge rip off a bong or when she does a whip it and her voice goes down. Just, <laughs> her voice just like drops. Just drops like this. <laughs> and that slays me every time because it'll hit like that. Like she can barely talk through the fucking drugs and she just does the lines anyway. Like yeah. she just keeps going. <laughs> yeah, she does not stop her. I, I do like that. Jesus, your hair fucking gets everywhere. Did you just say my fucking hair gets everywhere? That shit is fucking shaved raw. Do guys actually like that? I don't know what the fuck these guys want. That's why I have one side of my pussy really hairy, the other side shaved bare. That's disgusting. Oh, fucking show you disgusting. Yeah, I don't know if I can think of anything specific. Well, I can remember... I guess when she's giving birth, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, the end. Yeah, at the end, like, when she's giving birth and she's having the exchange with this, uh, whatever the fuck he is. Some army boy? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, 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 exactly. And and he's like, oh, yeah, you're, like, just fucked up enough that this is... (laughs) Your body was so toxic, it was the perfect breeding ground, and she's just so over it. She's just like, wow, bully for fucking me. She's she's in labor. She's all sweaty oh. and like it's it's just so fun. Like she is just so fucking done, and it, it's hilarious. Well, man, I don't know what to tell you. You know, I guess I've just always been a real overachiever. You're a wonderful candidate for their terrain. How the fuck is she wonderful? I've been there, Lou. So you've been a space a bunch. It's a terrible place. Their atmosphere is too toxic for a human to survive. But years of abuse provided your womb with the perfect level of toxins necessary for this conception. Thank you. You should be proud, Lou. I am fucking proud, you know. You gotta get it while you can. So, yeah, she, she's she's great. This is, yeah, she's a truly <laughs> wonderful character. Yeah, but to, yeah, I guess the, the dirtbag diva and then, like, just having that embodied in the fact that yeah her body is just like so physically chemically toxic that that's exactly what they were looking for it's hilarious yeah and of course jumping off of her uh, best friend sadie we've got another sadie for you with tragedy girls oh, sadie God, yeah. and michaela we watched this one on halloween while we were carving pumpkins Carver yes. those jack-o'-lanterns. Yeah, for, um, it was our second viewing, I think. Yeah, it had been a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing I absolutely love about this movie is because they are, they're, they're, they're serial killers. They're mm-hmm. literal serial killers. Um, they are on the other end of the spectrum away from, oh, you know, they're flawed, but they're, they're good, deep down thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I love, though, is just how unrepentant they yes. are. Like, the movie is just a dark comedy and dark being underlined many times there. Yeah. No, and this one, again, is teenage girls in high school. And yeah, they, and it's, they're, they're, yeah, unrepentant, unapologetic, completely self-interested, mm-hmm. completely self-absorbed, super shallow, and just like... And the movie even calls them out for that yeah, several yeah, times, oh, yeah. and, and it just, you know, they, they stay true to their dirt They roots. do, they do, and it's, and it's just like, and yeah, any, taking any opportunity they can for self-promotion of their, their Tragedy Girls blog and Twitter. 
and everything. And yeah, it's, it's, and it, it's kind of a funny sort of play on that whole, like, you know, millennials, Gen Z, whatever they would fall this, these kids these days with their iPhones yeah, and their social media their and they, they're so self-absorbed and blah, 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 living in on the internet. And this is like taking that and pushing it so extreme that it doesn't seem to me like they're shitting on teenage girls so much as being like, oh yeah, you want, you're saying they're ridiculous? Here's some fucking ridiculous. Yeah, like, like they're taking that sort of like stereotype and just like exploiting it so hard it becomes just absolutely yeah, absurd. To the Ill- illogical extreme. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so I think I see that more as like a pushing back at that as opposed right. to being like portraying just that idea of that like teenage girls are vapid and shallow and like that's just the way they are. It's like, okay, we'll give you vapid and shallow. <laughs> and they're also serial killers. Oh, jeez. So, yeah, that, that, that that's a fun movie. I like that one. Funnily well, enough, one of my favorite things that they say in that movie is not actually trashy, but it speaks to me as far as a giant horror fan goes, and it's uh, the following exchange. He wants to bring you in for interfering with an investigation. Shut up! Really? Okay, well, um, if, if Sadie needs, like, an alibi or, or something just to get her out of a jam, just tell her... She can say she was with me watching some Dario Argento movie, okay? Dario DiGiorno. D- Dario Argento. Argento. Dario Arpeggio. Mario Wario. I don't know. I don't care. Bye, Z's. Yeah, that's also one um, that you get a lot of nice little references here and there, like visually and um lines as well to other you know like you have references to final destination you have at one point you see them sort of doing like purge masks almost it looks like right yeah yeah Yeah. it it evokes that with the popular the purge that's for sure yeah and then um some of the deaths even are kind of i was not expecting a cannibal holocaust reference yeah yeah like the cannibal holocaust totally like a visual yeah the exactly that they're even thrown off by it totally yeah but more because (laughs) more because it's like that wasn't us (laughs) wait that wasn't us was it like, <laughs> I feel like even we wouldn't go that far. Uh, did you have uh, any particular moment that jumped out at you? I think right at the beginning, when you kind of when you realize what their stick is, where they're they're baiting that serial killer, and right. then, and they catch him, and oh, and they're taunting, they're taunting him, and they're like, but they're also you know on the on one hand they're like, yeah, we tricked, like holy, like we did this, you're an idiot, but at the same time they're like but we admire you. We want to be your students. You need to teach us everything you know, because like, this is what we want to do. And it's just, yeah, it's so twisted. It really sets the tone for the whole movie and just how conniving and manipulative those characters are. And just, again, they would be the worst people in real life, right? but on film screen, it makes for some, some entertaining cinema. You bitches made the stupidest mistake of your life. Oh, it speaks. I'm going to cut your insides out. I'm gonna skull fuck your severed heads while your parents watch. (laughs) You don't know what I'm capable of. What? Of course we know. We're your biggest fans, dude. Seen everything you've ever done. Well, everything we know about. We're pretty sure it's four. Since last May, is that right? Five plus Craig. (gasps) Totes. You know, you can follow us if. If you want, it's at Tragedy Girls. That's two, plural. Mm. See this? You wouldn't believe how relieved we were when you started knocking off freshies. This town can be like so boring. It took us a while to figure you out, but we did. Mm-hmm. How many weeks apart before he strikes again? You really have a thing for girls with short hair. Fortunately for everyone, I look great in a pixie cut. She does. 
All it took was a few boys to help set the trap. Do you know how many hand jobs this girl had to give? Like 30. But you finally showed. And you didn't disappoint. We are going to have so much fun together. And I suppose, of course, there's always our suggested viewing from last week, yes. American Mary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's, um, it's funny, she's not even, like, that trashy. She, she's a very, like, she, ha- she has her, her moments, I think, in the actions that happen, but it's in a very, like, calculating, yes. selective way. And it is, of course, informed by the trauma she experiences. Yeah. Going in, she's just normal. Or you know, normal, quote unquote. She's a, she's a normal, you know, medical student. Like yeah. everything is just pretty stat. You know, it's mm-hmm. like struggling to pay the bills and stuff. But nothing really like profound is happening. Like she's she's a good student and everything. Yeah. But yeah, nothing. You know, nothing. There's nothing really there to write home about or anything. She's a pretty like average. Yeah, I'd say kinda. as as by design. Yes, um, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think in those regards, she is one of those characters that you could almost, if you wanted a justification for why someone mm-hmm. actually does, like that this movie gives it to you. And it's kind of the point yeah. is seeing how the trauma has shaped her and changed her. Yeah, it really it really hardens her. And yeah. yeah, it really puts her sort of into, I guess, like a survival mode of like, uh-huh. cannot trust anyone. And I'm going to do what I need to do to survive. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you get the odd thing that she she does that I guess, yeah, you could consider it. It's trashy in the sense of that, like, completely self-interested, unapologetic yeah. kind of thing. And she, and she does have a couple of comments here and there. Like when um, that exchange with the guy who's credited as penis guy. Ah, oh, that was going to be mine too. Oh, yeah. And then also, guy. Yeah, and then also the, the kid who wants, like, a, what is it, like a piercing or something. Yeah, and she just, and like, she just has, them. Yeah, she just has him, like, escorted out with a bag on his head. Yeah. <laughs> From with Lance, the bodyguard, because uh, yeah. she's just like, you seriously think I do that shit in this yeah. shop? Like, get out of here. Well, let's put a clip of a penis guy. <laughs> Pull your pants up now. I will give you some antibiotics that should clear that up for you. I thought when you said no sex, I meant no sex, not masturbation as well. Well, you would think common sense would tell you that masturbating during the healing process could result in some tearing of skin, but guess I wasn't clear enough with you, penis guy. And that's the thing, I guess, with, um, you know, the dirtbag divas, as much as we, we root for them, generally speaking, you, we also, or, you know, you see it aspects and characters that it's like, no, you're not really cheering for them and you're not meant yeah. to, but there are aspects of them that you respond to. Like I said, I feel like they're the characters that you kind of uh, love and, and can root for purely in the sense of a fiction like as mm-hmm. a as a written constructed character yeah and there's there's the underlying presence behind those traits of like the self-confidence mm-hmm. exactly um, the self-assurance yeah. and all that kind of They're stuff not giving a fuck. that's the stuff that's really relatable and yeah. this is just sort of take it to that horror movie extreme or that cult movie extreme definitely it's an exaggeration of those that's true those uh, things working underneath and that are not always used for good absolutely yes. absolutely so other than just enjoying these characters and their antics what do they mean in terms of giving these movies like a deeper meaning or you know because we talk about how there's just this sort of connection you get with them even though they are total trash Mm mm-hmm 
What is that doing? For me, I think it is sort of, um, I guess, broadening the kind of characteristics and spaces that female characters can occupy. Hopefully by um, so many, you know, this greater proliferation of uh, this trend of sort of taking them to this anti-hero, anti-heroine type extreme, we'll start seeing more characters that are maybe a little more in the middle between kind of what we have generally and uh, this dirtbag diva, as much as I love them. We don't want to see them in everything. Oh, speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I just want to... Just want them to be well done when they're absolutely executed, yes. so far i feel like that's been the case mm-hmm. I, I think it's really interesting watching these characters because they are flawed mm-hmm. and in some cases they really do uh learn from their flaws or they grow yeah. in other cases it is their downfall but either way mm-hmm. it's handled in a way that doesn't feel like your typical character arc yeah, like, you never... It sort of warps it. Yeah, and, like, I, I think one of the things that stands out for me is that you see, like, as far as the rejecting these sort of, like, stereotypical feminine modes of being as far as the selflessness, the self-sacrifice, mm-hmm. all, all that shit I mentioned before, that sort of, like, angel of the house thing that Virginia Woolf railed against. Right. Um... I think that in embracing characteristics that go against that, but without seeing them punished for doing so directly right. in the way you do in like Greek tragedies uh-huh. and like other things that will show women straying from these norms and then they're explicitly punished for doing so. Yeah. Even if the character's ending isn't so good for them, yeah. it's usually not coded so tightly in, well, of course, because they acted in these ways. Yeah, it's not like, well, they transgressed the norms, so of course they're being punished. It's more just like, yep, yeah, they fucked up, <laughs> or, yeah. you know, whatever happened. But yeah, you, you don't get that, that sense. It's like there's a punishment directly for the actions so much as it's just the trajectory that yeah. ended up their character ended up taking. And in a way, that feels, uh, even though so many of these characters are so exaggerated and it's played for laughs in a lot of ways and it's so extreme, mm-hmm. in a way that does feel like... Uh, more honest portrayal of mm-hmm. a character in that uh like a great example is pauline and excision mm-hmm. in that you realize though she's this way because she is human in a way that everyone around her is writing off definitely yeah i think you're right and yeah i think um yeah one of the other bigger meanings with it that sort of also like kind of broadens that um you know the possibilities of what what female characters can like the roles they can inhabit is exactly what you said at the beginning where you you don't like them in spite of their flaws you like them because of them absolutely and you yeah it's this embracing of it but not in like a sort of superficial way i guess where you kind of have i i I can't think of a specific example but you'll have sort of gestures towards that where like a character, a te- you know, a teen girl character, she has one tiny flaw that she's so ashamed by and she learns to embrace it, but she's like perfect in every other way. And that's kind of the extent to which you can see a dynamic. It's kind of like that she's all that thing where it's like, oh, I took your glasses off. You're no, yeah, you're no longer an unfuckable yeah. nerd. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, like stuff uh. like that where it's just like, okay, but she's still like thin, white, really conventionally attractive. And also like, smart and, yeah, also, and also like, like funny like, when people give her a chance. Ex- and- yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like they, there's still no like, there's no dimension there. It's mm-hmm. still just very sort of one note flat. 
so unlike actual real human beings mm-hmm. who are like multifaceted and complex and have likable and dislikable qualities and yeah are just you know human beings mm-hmm. so yeah i think even in this like really exaggerated sort of portrayal but when it's within the context yeah. of not seeing that level of complexity typically in a lot of female characters especially yeah. in within this sort of like genre and area i think it's it it makes more sense and is a bit more profound than maybe if that wasn't the case. Yeah. And it's uh, not like these characters aren't aware of their flaws mm-hmm. either. One great example is, again, with Pauline and Excision, we get that moment when she overhears her mom talking about how unlovable she is. Mm-hmm. And she just breaks down over it because, you know, like that's a thing that normal people are supposed to expect and have yeah um, especially from their mother yeah. or their families too because you can tell like i mean her sister like but yeah, you, you can tell, her dad you can tell she, just, he, he's tired of her shit he's too. just too aloof to really he, give a he, fuck he is yeah and he, and he tries to act like the cool dad until he does yeah and that's one of the things is i i remember watching it with some friends and they're like oh i feel bad for the dad getting kind of ragged on by the mom but at the same time like i i see the mom as someone who is tired of always having to be the yeah. bad guy and, like, the, she very well may be the bad guy. Like absolutely. A lot of stuff she does is bullshit, but... Absolutely, but you can also... It's like, okay, that's clearly... You know, he's got to be the, the, he, the he, fun parent. He's the alarming centrist. Yeah, and yeah, totally. And she's the one who always has to be the, the you know, uh, maintain the rule. Just Exactly. Yeah. And I, and you can... T- it's like, it's not... It's, it's unbalanced. Mm-hmm. And so as much as... Yeah, she's pretty terrible to Pauline at times. It's also, like... Whether unprovoked you can inf- or not. Yeah. yeah, you can infer that it's been a cumulative thing yep. the entire time. And you, I, I know I at least have a bit of empathy for the situation where it's just, oh, for sure. yeah, it's a lousy, it's a lousy situation overall. Yeah. So, And well, you know, it also just kind of shows, uh, you see a great example in that, of the ways that her mom is really flawed and shitty in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Even though, she, but she lacks the awareness that maybe... Pauline has over her own behavior. Yeah. Because, like, Pauline points at it, gestures to it several times throughout the movie. For sure. Um, And then people just kind of write it off. Like, anytime she talks about hormones or chemical imbalance or being, like, dealing with a psychological Yeah, she's like, I need to see a psychiatrist. Like, I would would love, like, that would be great. And they're like, no, no, you can go see the priest. And she's like, no, there's... You can go see John Waters. To be fair, though, if someone said you can go see a psychiatrist or you can go see John Waters, I know who I would pick. I mean, same, but (laughs) he's not John Waters in the movie. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, like, even though... And she even recognizes him when she's like, yeah, I guess... uh, Like, she says it kind of flippantly, but she's like, a lot of my behavior is clearly a cry for help. Yeah. Help me. And just no, there's like, nobody's willing to, to do that. Mm-hmm. So she does the best that she can. And there's definitely a sit, like you have some empathy there for that, where it's like, she's, she's a teenage girl. Like she she can only do so much. Yeah. It's like the, the adults in her life that are supposed to, you know, be the, be the adults aren't doing their job <laughs> to right. the extent that they should be. So yeah, she's, she's doing the best that she can. Yeah. Um, it's funny though, because a lot of these characters, they do have that sort of, they realize they're the outsider mm-hmm. and they're looking in, there's always these moments of them looking at what a normal life might look like. Yeah. Like we have Pauline talking about wanting to be a surgeon and, uh, and she's wanting... so set on this. Yeah. And then some stuff about like, 
you know, like relationship aspirations. Absolutely, and, yeah. Yeah, teenage girl stuff. <laughs> exactly, but, but she's not the only character that, that this applies to. Mm-hmm. Like uh, early on in uh, Anti-Birth, we see Lou and Sadie in the trailer, and Lou's just talking about how she's so tired of the way they're living. She's like, look at this shit. We've got nothing. It's garbage. Something's yeah, got to really, change. She wants to turn her life she's around. She wants to turn around, even though she doesn't know what that looks like necessarily. Or how she would... Or um, there's that scene in American Mary where um, Billy proposes the trip to California, right? I think like yeah, the, I think the, yeah, the, the road down trip. the coast or whatever. And um, there's this moment where she's listening to him, and, and like that almost is appealing to her. This like, hey, this is a more normal thing from what I've been doing. It might be with this greaseball <laughs> who, who's helping enable me as I help enable him. Right. But there's these little glimpses. Yeah, you have that moment she, she's typical, considering it. Yeah, yeah where it's like. A, that is a very Hollywood thing to take, like, an on-the-road kind of journey. Yeah, let's, just drop let's everything. Do this. And... <laughs> yeah, and so it's, like, normalized in that Hollywood way, but it's a normal thing outside of her, I'm going to keep doing these illegal body mods out of my apartment. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that scene in that way. And then there's other ways that the characters are kind of edged out of what's considered normal, and, of course, you had to know we were coming to this, but there's a certain queer coding and queer oh, yes. aspects to these yeah, we can't we can't leave These that moments. out. Like, why would we? Who'd want to? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we can start with Pauline and the moments. Uh, I know there's one in particular where they're not being normal is equated with queerness. Like it's lined mm-hmm. up. Like for example, with Pauline, she's in the locker room, and the bully comes up and and asks her, or the girl that's bullying her, asks her why she like if it's intentional that she goes out. Uh, every morning looking like a lesbian like yeah right like you know it's that like you're weird and you're not typical femininity like she says lesbian and she also mentioned she has the body of a 10 year old boy Mm -hmm. those two things are intertwined yeah they're both this sort of like failure to achieve conventional femininity both yeah in her chose the way she chooses to look but also like her body has literally failed failed her by looking like a 10 year old boy yeah so it's like, yeah, it's, it's not only that, like, intentional choice, but it's, like, beat the stuff beyond her controls, you right. know, like, failing her. But that, that also shows up in 68 Kills, uh, briefly, when we get the introduction to Hot Topic at the Cassidy's <laughs> Miss <counter>. Monica? <laughs> yeah, she's looking at, she's got a porno mag open, and it's just pictures of, like, girls making out and fucking and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, and that's just notice- her introduction yeah, to Yeah, Chip <laughs> notices it and she looks up and is like, and says something along the lines of like, does this bother you? Or like gets in his face about it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's another thing that marks her as off. Like she has yeah. the hot topic aesthetic that she's uh, made fun of for. And so she's very alternative on the surface anyway. But then we also get this added... She's, in your face about she's marked as outside in so many ways and that's mm-hmm. just another thing added to it but you're right she's so in your face about it like she's in your face about her alternative style like she wears it proudly and this is and this isn't in her like work context too like she's yeah, working she's at like, a gas station yeah, so she's just cuts, openly looking at pornography and it cuts to a close-up <laughs> of her name tag which just says fuck you right on it. Um, <laughs> i forgot about that yeah but this is a part of that uh puzzle Mm-hmm. Uh, however, that's not the only way that queerness manifests. It's not always just a dig on these people. One great one is the the blurriness of what exactly the relationship is between Sadie and Michaela. That's right. In Tragedy Girls. Yeah, that's true. Like, they're best friends and mm-hmm. at the same time. But there there are hints at something more throughout the movie. Yeah, because I don't know. If, like, they, they do a lot of hands holding yeah. and stuff. 
And Wait, it's it, funny because I feel like a lot of that stuff may look sort of queer in the North American context, or maybe we're reading into it. Whereas, you know, when we were spending time in Rome, in Berlin, I saw people holding yeah. hands all the time. And it wasn't, yeah. it was one of those things that could even remotely raise an eyebrow mm-hmm. as to, to stepping outside of heteronormativity. For sure. So, we And I are... feel like there's also, like, more allowance for, like, teenage girls, especially to do that. Yes. That whole, like we've talked about the whole girl crush thing and everything where there's a little bit more like leniency in terms of same-sex experimental behavior and stuff that you can still be straight while kind of um, toying around with with uh, different boundaries and whatnot absolutely but there are two examples i can think of that kind of skew it a bit for me in tragedy girl specifically tragedy girl specifically okay i'll i have a couple too so okay the first one i can think of is when they're in the office being talked to by the sheriff, mm-hmm. um, they're holding hands the entire time, and Michaela does not know how to sit in a chair. She's that's like, true. That is such gay culture. That's true. That's my goof one for my real one. Um, <laughs> it's the uh, the imagery of them as each other's prom dates. It's it's an interesting reversal because like it sets up to almost like a, a normalizing ending, mm-hmm. and then we get this big. It's a big fuck you, almost like, not a fuck you, it's like a hell yeah moment Mm -hmm. where... uh, Well, it's a fuck you to everybody that got really upset over the ending. (laughs) But it's one of those things that I think think it can function as both. Like, it definitely Mm -hmm. is valid as a really strong ode to friendship. Definitely. Like, through and through. Um, Well, yeah, because the, um, like, one of the big conflicts in the movie that kind of, like, puts a wedge in their relationship is the you know potential boyfriend interest on um sadie's part and michaela just being like you don't need other friends you have me and this sort of idea that they're you know they're each other's one and only yeah they're they're everything they're yeah they're each other's everything and then you have like you said have that kind of reinforced at the end with their the prom date imagery and the like inseparable were like they relate on so many levels it's like oh we're just the same person yeah yeah the two parts of a functioning whole yeah yeah and then there's also um i guess worth mentioning that when you know that when they have kind of had a little bit of a falling out and you see sadie and her boyfriend kind of macking in the car like he, he's like necking her and she's just like looking like laying back you know thinking of england you, you kind of rolling ju- her eyes. i feel like you can just imagine <laughs> her thinking of michaela yeah point. or at least just being like oh why am i doing this again yeah <laughs> like... it reminded me of uh the beginning of but i'm a cheerleader yeah, when the boyfriend yeah. tries to mac with her and, and she's just like um, pushing his head yeah, away and, and like he's just like please yeah. and she's like fine and then it just cuts to that very abject like fisheye angle view of him coming in like tongue out like, yeah, and she's just like <laughs> and she just get like me away. she looks like she's suffocating i mean that <laughs> is the, very much the point in that scene but, but that's exactly but yeah, i'm that's definitely the getting point vibes in that, but then yeah. in this one where that's less clear you gotta wonder how much of the lack of clarity comes from the uh notion that this would uh depict them as there any queerness as bisexuality mm. would that be where it's it's muddied because that's even Maybe. more hidden and and invisible because right in a lot of ways it's not like they don't respond to men or, well yeah because you see like Mika- they see you know like you, Michaela makes out with point. her ex yeah. in a very interesting <laughs> way yeah and she has an ex-boyfriend yeah for that matter yeah, that's true. But yeah, I, I don't know, because then also, like, I guess that's a really good way to bring up w- with that sort of, you know, enabling and that permissiveness towards, 
you know, female same-sex experimentation, at least in terms of like in a performative way, you have that what was it that paper we had to read in that one it was compulsory bisexuality compulsory bisexuality yeah where yeah. it's almost like in some contexts this sort of performative bisexuality is encouraged but specifically to like give your boyfriend a boner kind of thing like i'm yeah. gonna go make out with another woman so we can you know so you I, throw so, one in this bank but yeah so you can then recoup- recuperate me into he- he- proper heterosexuality mm-hmm. but i can i can get away with doing this because it's for your pleasure yeah, and it doesn't work the other way. No. It's not like a... That's one thing that I will say was, um, you know, since we were talking a bit about emo culture, subculture, whatever today, was I remember distinctly that their, um, you know, by curiosity in men was, was and boys was a... a it, was, it was a thing. It, it, right. Like, it was an asset. That's the word I'm looking for. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was completely removed from the emo Yeah, culture, no, I remember so... like... And yeah, just, um, you'd see sort of, there'd be sometimes little like teasing acts where it's like, oh, those two boys kiss. Oh, that's so hot. And there's a bit of that same kind of thing where it was like this performative bisexuality to get women. Okay. And not to the same extent, like they weren't full, you know, tongue making out. Like you see, you know, that sort of like lesbian pornography, lesbian, big, big scare quotes, pornographic kind of like simulation of what they think lesbians do kind of thing. Yeah, but two, two peace signs. Yeah, just... yeah, two, all, that, all the scissoring and stuff. No, yeah. it, this was, but it was more like, you know, you have a, a couple of guys who, they're confident enough in their, in their sec- and secure enough in their sexuality, they can give each other a little kiss on stage or something and the girls go wild. It's interesting though that both that and the way you described the paper of compulsory bisexuality is that they're both recuperated mm-hmm. by the guy's confidence. Definitely, yeah, that's true. No, that's a really good point. Because, yeah, it's it's like, it's still... Because it has a bit of inversion of where it's for... To attract women, but it's still, I guess... In that, ultimately, he's kind of the benefit... He's kind of the protagonist of the whole situation. Yeah. In terms of he's the... He, you know, it's for, it's for him to get sex kind of thing. Yeah. So... But that, that I just remember thinking it was interesting, too, because typically... Yeah, men aren't allowed to experiment that way without absolutely, coming up absolutely. against the risk of, like you know, massive homophobic black backlash, which they, you know, got anyway, but not within the subculture itself. Well, like, I think he even brought this up in the first episode, but the the whole notion with bisexuality, right. where if a man is bisexual, he's actually gay. Yeah. Um, and he's just fooling himself. Like, that's what they throw mm. out. Or if a woman's bisexual, it's to get a dude's interest. Yeah, and which, again, it always goes back to the assumption that it's ultimately... Dudes. about dudes yeah. and their sexuality so it's uh and being attracted to dudes and fucking dudes so yeah yeah well we really slid we into kind of skewed there, there. yeah um, well okay bring it back i guess our uh sometimes our dirtbag divas will fuck with that in terms of like centering everything around like the male gaze and a- appeal to men right or you know men as like a, that monolith that sort of you know some assumption of what men want obviously yeah like the capital Individu- m, yeah the capital m with that's the trademark of, yeah that, the that like hegemonic like yeah like the man before we get too far down that rabbit hole <laughs> because we are gonna do an entire episode soon uh dealing with uh bisexuality in horror and films representation and everything uh we should probably just wrap up our uh talk on yeah. dirtbag divas uh this is a character type that we've grown to really, really love. And as we've mentioned, we've seen a proliferation in recent movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah. we, would, we would love to hear from you. Uh, mm-hmm. Are there any characters that fit the bill for you? Yeah. Um, I'm especially interested in if anyone can think of any, like, dirtbag divas of color. 
Because other yes. than in 68 Kill, they're pretty predominantly yeah, white. Yeah, so far in these movies, it's been fairly whitewashed. Yeah, because you, 68 Kill yeah, and you've you have got Alicia Bowe's character and, and Sheila Vand. And then, yeah, and she, and, and Tragedy Girls, Michaela. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I, was, I was thinking about that. I'm like, you know, we're kind of talking about what it's doing for women, but it's primarily white women. Yeah, it's doing this for white women. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, throw some at us. Any any uh, examples that you can think of yeah, we're of always these looking for more. dirtbag divas that you love because, you know, it's always a great move, way to recommend movies to us. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get us on Twitter at, at cult underscore queer. Uh, we've got our Facebook page. We've got Instagram. You can comment wherever the fuck i think we we have a wordpress website that maybe you can comment on that yeah i'm gonna throw that in we media have personally. a wordpress and it looks like it one looks... of those like <laughs> angel fire geocities like stock things because i don't know what i'm doing and i've put all my focus on every other aspect of the yeah, podcast we'll, we'll get there so social media is social the better way to do it because otherwise it looks like well it looks like exactly what it is i used a template and got bored 20 minutes in <laughs> yeah so um recommendations recommendations you went first last time so i think i'll go first all right i'm basing this recommendation more on where our conversation took towards the end okay uh as in i don't really think of this character so much as a dirt bag but as an outsider that's often marked by queerness and it's there skewed with normalcy but this one of my all-time favorite movies may okay i was was beginning to suspect that's what you're gonna say yeah this is uh May. may starring angela bettis as one of the greatest horror characters ever. Like one of my favorite performances. There's I love everything about this movie by Lucky McKee. It is sorely in need of a beautiful restoration mm-hmm. on Blu-ray. I, I think I have an import media book one from Germany oh, wow. that cost more than I given how little money I'm making <laughs> these days. It costs more than I ever should have spent on it. Wow. But, it's just that good. It's worth it. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so that's good. my Electric recommendation to you. And cool. yeah, so what have you got for me? For you, I have, I, I realized I forgot to even include this in our sort of list when we were brainstorming examples, but um, based on when the movie came out, I guess it's sort of like a precursor dirtbag diva, maybe. Uh, Jennifer's Body. Jennifer's Body. Oh, Jennifer yes. herself. Oh my god. I oh actually I haven't geez. read the article yet, but I, I saw an article, I think it was Vice going around in the last week or so that was saying basically, you know, if Jennifer's body came out today, it would be a hit. Yeah. I think that what I can see Yeah. It. I think I, it was just a little, yeah. little too like it's a perfect two thousands period piece. Yes. Which is so, feels so silly to say because that was, you know, less than a decade but ago. But in a way it, it but, is. Yeah, but it but the problem is it came out in the two thousands. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of that sort of See, Looking I, back, I first this... saw it about a year ago, yeah. and so I definitely I saw it had that around appreciation. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I remember liking it when it came out and thinking like, like, okay, this, this is, this is a fun movie. It's kind of, it's kind of weird, but okay. But then, yeah, having that distance from the two thousands, and you know, being an adult now and stuff. Looking back, it's like there's so many little like quirky intricacies and like specific mm-hmm. stuff. Like it, it just captures that sort of what it was like to be in you know junior high, high school in Absolutely. the two thousands so perfectly in North America at least that yeah. it's and it's it's so funny and yeah it's it, it's great it's a great okay, well, like, I've only kid. seen it the once so I'm looking forward to watching it again yeah it's it's a good one good good so if uh those of you following along at home want to join us on watching these and then feel free to again send us uh on social media your reactions to yeah, them yeah hit us up 
Otherwise, I think that's about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think we, we can go have dinner. Yeah, let's Hell yeah. Go make dinner. I guess make some of dinner. I cooked the rice. You, are, you already made half of it at lunch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, this has been fun. Mm-hmm. Are you going to say the sign off? I was going to say, can I have a, Can I do it? It's my yes, turn. say it, say it. All right, kids. We'll take it easy and keep it sleazy. Till next time. I, I pictured you like being that hip teacher who just like turned their chair backwards and sat down in it to say that to the kids oh, like hey yeah. kids let's rap yeah you gotta take it easy keep it sleazy damn right oh you'd oh, be a great cool teacher, teacher. <laughs> well, thank you oh uh, lordy all right ciao 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 or sign off